Poise for Exit is a show for business owners who want to achieve a successful future exit based on their own terms. Your business exit will likely be the biggest financial transaction of your life, and for most, you'll have one shot at doing it right. The topics and guests we feature and the stories they share will provide valuable ideas and strategies to improve operations and grow enterprise value so you can achieve the best possible exit outcome. Now here's your host, Julie Keys. Welcome everyone to Poised for Exit, the podcast show for business owners. In this episode of Poised for Exit, we will meet with the CEO and managing director of a fractional CFO firm who specializes in working with privately held companies. But before we do that, let's hear from our show sponsors, Village Bank and Sunbelt Business Advisors. Are you looking for a bank that supports entrepreneurs? If you're searching for a bank to grow with you and your business, Village Bank would like to welcome you to their village. Village Bank is an entrepreneur's bank built by an entrepreneur for entrepreneurs. Village is ready to help businesses grow and make a community strong. If you want a bank that understands what it takes to build something special and puts relationships first, connect with Village. Follow Village Bank on Facebook and LinkedIn or visit www.villagebankonline.bank. Again, that's villagebankonline.bank. It takes a village to accomplish business goals. You wouldn't go deep sea fishing without a guide or skydive without an instructor. So don't sell your business without a broker. Now is a great time to sell a business. Many are selling at a premium. Contact a business broker at sunbeltminnesota.com or call Sunbelt Business Advisors at 612-455-0880 and get a free confidential business valuation so you'll know what your business might be worth. Because selling your business is the biggest financial decision you may ever make. There is a record number of buyers looking for businesses right now. It is a seller's market. You could list, sell, and get more for your business now and start the next successful chapter of your life. Call 612-455-0880 today or visit sunbeltminnesota.com. Minnesota's largest seller of companies. 612-455-0880, sunbeltminnesota.com. Ladies and gentlemen, we're here today with the CEO and Managing Director of Integrated Consulting Services, Craig Ciro and Kathy Sadaka. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for being here. We're going to be talking about fractional CFO services and the difference between that and having a controller and a lot of different topics around um, accounting and cash flow management and financial management within a company. Very important topics. Actually, we haven't covered or had a fractional CFO guest on the show before, so this will be a new thing, and I'm sure that our audience is going to appreciate it and get a lot out of it, right? So, But before we do that, I need to know, how did the company start... Um, maybe just a like a thumbnail brief history. Craig, sure. you want to go with that? Sure. Um, I started in the uh, CPA business back in uh, 1986. I uh, was a small CPA firm. We had entrepreneurial companies, you know, five to 25 million, and uh, loved working with them, the passion that they had. Um, really wasn't an auditor and not a tax person, so um, I felt more, and there was a partner there that was doing more like small business consulting. Mm-hmm. So kind of fell into that. Uh, financial modeling. There was new uh, Lotus One Two Three came out, so the spreadsheets came out. Oh my gosh, Lotus! <laughs> Lotus, yes. <laughs> Spent a lot of night, late nights uh, working on Lotus, and 
my wife asked me if I was working or playing, and the answer was yes. So <laughs> um, through that through that process, became um, more of a business junkie than a, a auditor tax person. So um, became partner in the firm, and over the years we merged, ended up at a bigger firm, and um, still didn't do auditor tax. So. At the end of uh, 09, I decided to uh, leave the practice and start integrated, going back to my roots of working with entrepreneurs. Yeah. Um, so I started in January of 2010 um, and celebrating our 12th year. It's been a great ride, and we have great clients and great staff, and it's a, I feel very blessed and honored yeah, to be no able to serve them. Wow, 12 years. Congratulations. Thank you. You're well over the hump. Yes. So, Kathy, when did you join the firm? Spring of 2020. So as, as you may know, my background is in finance, mm. and I uh, spent 25 years in factoring and asset-based lending. Yes. Sent, met Craig in kind of the middle of that, maybe 2016, and he was a really great solution for our small clients who were already cash-strapped but really needed help. So um, that's how I got to know Craig. And so in terms of the role that each of you play within the company, maybe you could just um, share that real quick. Sure. Um, as the CEO, uh, my job is to build the firm. I still have a lot of client relationships. We're trying to extricate me from a lot of that. It's limiting the growth, but um, but marketing, uh, doing some of the work, and, mm-hmm. um, and training the staff, and keeping all motivated, and yeah, that's a, it's a honoring job. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I've heard good things. So you're doing well. Yep. Good for you. And I won the top golf event we had yesterday or on Monday, so got to keep everyone humble too. So it's all fun. No wonder you're glowing. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all fun. Fantastic. How about you, Kathy? You know, I'm primarily sales and marketing mm. and trying to help Craig extricate himself out of some of the business, trying to help us grow and scale. But mm-hmm. it's been a lot of fun. Do you work with clients too? A little bit um, here and there when it makes mm-hmm. sense. So um, I think that there's um, a misconception out there among pri- privately held businesses that um, that you, they don't need a CFO, that if they have someone internally that they call a controller, um, that they don't really need that level of service. And I always disagree with that. So let's talk about that. Sure, absolutely. I, mean, I, I think it's important to understand what kind of a CFO does uh, con- in contracts to a controller. Um, a CFO is really kind of part of the strategy and uh, a lot of planning, a lot of how do I get accomplished what the owner wants to get accomplished. So financing and those type of things. Mm-hmm. Whereas a controller spends a lot of time making sure that the books are in good order, that they balance. Um, a controller typically looks more at the past and making sure the current is right. And we spend a lot of time looking at the future and um, helping with the business issues and those type of things. You know, I think it's it's easy to start a business without understanding the numbers, and you can really take it quite mm-hmm. a ways without understanding the numbers. Usually the entry point that we see is when a business needs a line of credit greater than $2 million. Really? That seems to be the magic number. This This is my own scientific study, where banks want to know that the financial statements are accurate, and um, can really tell the story, and they want to see projections. So I think that's where it really becomes important to have somebody at that level that can help you through that process. Projections are everything. Um, It's so hard to grow a business when 
you really don't even know where you're going, right? So you can have a pie-in-the-sky goal, but you really have to have strategy and tactics around it and and financial projections, right, that align with it. That's absolutely true. And I would also say in our experience with projections and financial models is a lot of times, let's take revenue, for example. It's mm-hmm. a straight, okay, we're, we're going to be $20 million next year. Okay, $20 million of what, right? I mean, so it's easy to build a financial model. I could build a financial model that says $20 million and we make $5 million. But really, what is reality? So we spend a lot of time understanding the business, margin, customers, products, because that's really what drives the drives the model to um, actually provide value. And similar to weather people, when we build a financial model, it's going to be wrong because the real world is different than what you project. Mm-hmm. But the most important thing is to understand why, you know, what were the problems we had with it or what were the assumptions that we made that didn't really come true so that we get better at that whole process throughout the time. So then we have, you know, solid plans that people can use in the future. Mm-hmm. Trust but verify. Trust but verify. Mm-hmm. And so when you take on a client and you become their CFO, you're not really a consultant at that point then, right? You're part of the team. Absolutely. We always speak in terms of we, Craig says, we want to be with you forever. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. we. I think the difference between us and maybe a, a contract CFO, someone, so, someone that's offering contract CFO services, is that we are part of your team. We'll be at all those important meetings with your bank, your shareholders, your managers. We're talking about the dreams of the the business owner and helping them figure out what's what's realistic. How can mm-hmm. we kind of go about going after some of these things? And maybe also listening to the problems and kind of as a sounding board, but we're really there for them, you know, just on a very fractional basis. So fractional meaning you're there um, on a, like, do you, ha- do you keep a recurring schedule? So our, our model is to meet with the clients once a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a cash flow model that we put together, and we use that to plan with mm-hmm. our uh, clients. And we meet and discuss that once a week and take the to see if there's any issues we have in the next 8 to 10 weeks so that we can deal with those today versus when they happen. So typically once a week. And you're there to help them make these money decisions, but also other decisions. Like Kathy alluded to, you guys are there as a sounding board. You're there to talk with them about other issues that definitely will affect the bottom line. I mean, most of the time it does, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Do I buy a piece of equipment? Uh, Do I refinance? Uh, Do I lease this equipment or do I go to a bank and finance it? Do I take it out of cash? I mean, there's all kinds of instances. Also, um, I've had many discussions, sometimes late in the evening, on the weekends. Mm-hmm. Um, this person's not working out. Uh, I have a partner that we're not you know, getting along. How do yeah. we deal with that kind of stuff? So yeah. it's, a, it's an opportunity for us to listen to their um, concerns mm-hmm. um, and primarily listen. They don't really necessarily want somebody to tell them what to do, but they want to hear it, and then they g- give them their, your opinion. And that helps them. That gives them some, you know, ease in what they're doing because they don't really have anybody. You know, who else do they talk to? So right. they talk to us, which so is great. And you're a sounding board for them. That's that's great. I think that it's kind of lonely at the top, right? For business owners, they don't always. I mean, they do have people. They do have their advisors. They have us, right? Sometimes you know, but it's hard when they um, 
don't want to tell their bank they're struggling maybe or having questions or their spouse or their friends or their employees. Mm. It can be lonely, you know, when there's one business owner trying to shuffle or or juggle all kinds of different issues and questions and problems. Do you happen to have a rule of thumb, like uh, going back to what Craig alluded to about, you know, should I buy this piece of equipment? Should I take it out of cash flow? That kind of thing. Um, how do you make those decisions or what, what kind of recommendations do you find yourself making when it comes to things like that? Like, like, should I, should I borrow money to do this or should I pay cash for it? it? It's really to us is cash balance. So how much risk do we want? So how low do we want our cash balance to get to mm-hmm. and how long do we want it, that to be there? Because cash is king. If you don't have cash then you can't operate. So really what do we see? And that's why the projections and those some things are important And I think that would differentiate us from like controllers too, because we really look to the future to find out, okay, where, where do we think cash is going to be and how it's going to be? So we, for example, had a, a a client that's highly seasonal. Um, Mm -hmm. So we have a 52 week cash flow model because we want to know if we make a decision today in January, what's the cash balance going to be in August? Mm Because we could make a bad decision today and then all of a sudden we don't have any money in the summer and that would be a bad thing. Yes. You know, and I would say that it's not even that we're telling people what to do or what the answers are. It's that we have this great tool, you know, the plan, the model, where we can pop numbers in and give the business owner enough information to make their own decision. Sure. So. Yeah. And and you're right. In in um, in the world of being a trusted advisor, we're not telling them anything, right? We're giving them our advice. We're asking a lot of questions. And at the end of the day, they decide on their own. It's the way it's supposed to be, right? Exactly. And my rule is you can make, I'm going to give you my opinion. You yeah. make your decision. Yeah. If it's not my opinion, that's fine. We're going to make whatever decision you make the best possible that we can make out of it. So mm-hmm. I take no ownership in having to be my, and I've run into people that say, well, they don't listen to me. Well, that's not their job. Their Your job is to help them no matter what they decide. Right. Yeah. Well, we're not living in their shoes either. So That's correct. So you've, you've alluded to model. You talk about your model. Let's talk about that. I want to know more about the model. So back in the day, back in late 1980s, when I was in my house working on this suitcase-sized compact computer, <laughs> um, uh, it's basically a, it's a spreadsheet model uh, that's got a basic income statement, balance sheet, and cash flow. But really the core of it is it's designed for each company. It's it's nothing. Okay. There's nothing standard to it. It's whatever the company is. So we spend a lot of time modifying the inputs to the model to what the company's company does, because it, again, it has to have value and a long term. So uh, we understand again customers and markets, and um, th- there's a balance sheet in there which a lot of people don't have either, which is a huge piece that we need to always look at the balance sheet and what the cash flow impact of it is. So once we have that and it replicates the company's business, we then take that from a monthly model to a weekly uh, model that we can convert every week um, to look at what is going to happen every week from that standpoint. So Cash-wise. Cash-wise. So our process is we download from the computer, from the client's system, their AR accounts receivable and accounts payable agings, they get input into our mo- our to our model. Then, using the assumptions from the monthly model, we can then look out f- in the future to see, you know, what the impact is going to be relative to things. So, if the company is not achieving what it originally thought it was, 
will know that because the agings will represent that. And then the impact of that, now we have to plan in the future. It's basically taking all the financial data from the company that they have out of QuickBooks or whatever system they use and yes. popping it into this kind of customized model. And Sounds like a customized model, yeah. Very, and really just understanding the numbers. Right. Mm-hmm. And how life-changing has that been for your clients? I'm sure you have stories you could share. Huge. Oh, it's it's it, it's been life-changing. Um, we have the the seasonal one was a, is a very good example. She would have to make like com- a commodity payments in the summer, and she never had she never had the cash mm. because she had cash in the winter, and mm-hmm. then she bought equipment and do all those. But really not planning for those. So being able to plan those. And then when the summer comes and you have the cash flow to do it, I mean, it, a lot of stress is alleviated from that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would also say a lot of times people don't understand the power of the vendor either relative to their cash flow um, issues. So, for example, if we see, we see in the next uh, three weeks that we're going to be short for about three or four weeks, we're going to be short of cash. We could go to the bank or we could just look at our vendor payments and say, okay, how do we structure our vendor payments so that we can overcome this cash flow issue. Um, and we talk to the vendors and tell them what we're going to do. And again, we're looking at it ahead of time, not in an emergency. And vendors want to keep us as a customer. And as long as we do what we say we're going to do, we can always have that uh, card to play if, if we have a short-term cash flow thing that we need. So um, those, I think, are pretty powerful from the things that we've done. Oh, absolutely. So um, your clients are sleeping at night, in other words. That's correct. Right? Took them from mess to success, (laughs) right? As my publisher would say. (laughs) I love that saying. It puts them in control, you know, that instead of putting out fires because they didn't see things coming that they should have, Mm -hmm. now they can plan ahead and they're really in control. Control is everything for human beings. None of us like to be out of control, right? It's a very scary place to be, especially when the liability is on us, the onus is on us as business owners, but we don't have a lot of control. That's where the stress is. And when you're constantly putting out fires, then you're not really working on your business. You're just putting out fires. You're just spending your days and weeks putting out fires. Subsisting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I imagine that you guys get involved in, um, I mean, because of the world that we're in right now, there's a lot of acquiring going on out there, right? M&A work. And I would, I would think that your business would be no different. And uh, with the way that your business model is and how you partner with your clients, you have to be involved a lot in these transactions, right? Like you're helping with uh, not, just, not just during due diligence, but pre-due diligence. That's what I call it. You know, getting the owner ready, getting the business ready for whenever that future, you know, liquidity event occurs. Uh, that's exactly right. So there's a financial aspect to it. So how do we maximize our EBITDA and financial results over the next couple, three years to for that potential sale? But I think it's also, as business advisors, we spend a lot of time with them, too. How do we strengthen the management team and those types of things in order to help you facilitate a, a successful transaction? We have two recent introductions. Um, one is a landscape company who's cash flow very well his, through his whole business, but um, recently wanted to look at exit planning in the next few years mm-hmm. and learned that his financials don't really present well to a buyer. Mm-hmm. So they may have worked well for him internally, but 
um, needed a little help getting his financial ducks in a row, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And then we had another uh, company referred to us who has a manufacturing process and had an offer on the table, actually. Mm. Um, His financials also are maybe a little bit rough, and he doesn't really understand the conversation around these numbers and the EBITDA. And so he really wanted to have someone at the table to help him analyze the offers and make sure it was right. Wow. What a great service. Yeah. The look back is generally uh, trailing 12 months, but I mean, the further back you can go to align and clean things up and, and actually have them make sense, normalize them, if you will. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's a, that's a great service. And, and, and business owners are, they're busy, their heads down, they're working hard and, and they need to have people like you to And often the people they have in place doing the books don't have an accounting background. Yes. And when you go to sell your business, you yeah. want the best value possible. Exactly. At least, if not sooner, that's the time to bring in somebody that does. Definitely. Well, okay. So, Craig, you were you came from the accounting world. You're a CPA, and you said you did a lot of audit. Do, do you guys have any kind of review or compilation or audit services that you provide to? Or No. We don't okay. provide any... Uh, opinionated services like that, or we don't do tax returns either. Mm-hmm. So we, which allows us to work with the CPAs. Yes, um, we're not really competing with them, although sometimes they they try to bring services in. But it's difficult for a CPA firm to do what we do because um, their focus is on audit and tax. But they're mm-hmm. a partner of ours, so we spend a lot of time with them mm-hmm. um, because most business decisions have a tax impact. So we bring the CPA in and. Let's talk about this, what they're trying to do and what the tax impact is. So the CPA firms we work with understand that we're not competing with them. They're actually helping them get closer to their client. Absolutely. And and they don't have the time, they don't have the bandwidth to to work with the client as closely as you do anyway. So Correct. it would seem to me that it would make a, a great partnership. Particularly in our market, we're we're talking smaller, you know, size companies, five to twenty-five million typically, mm-hmm. and uh, I think the CPA firms have a hard time competing at, you know, getting their rates down low enough to actually provide value to the clients. Sure. Well, this has been very helpful. We could keep going because there's so much to talk about with regard to this, but um, maybe what we could wrap up with is uh, for you to share a couple of of tips takeaways, um, recommendations for our listeners. We have a lot of business owners that listen to the show. And um, so from a CFO standpoint, what are a couple things that you think that they should take on? The most important thing that for me is a plan. I mean, you have to have a plan and you have to write it down and you have to put it, put it on paper or in, a, or, in a, or in Excel. And don't be afraid if it's not perfect. Mm-hmm. It, you, you're going to get better over time, but you have to have a plan. Otherwise, you're just kind of moving things around and you're not getting anywhere. Would be one thing. Mm-hmm. I agree. You know, the whole reason any of us start a business is to build value for for something in the future, mm-hmm. and um, it's important to really understand your business's value. And I, that starts by understanding the the numbers involved, the plan, um, how you're doing on accomplishing your plans, making sure you're really doing what you want to do with it, and that the numbers align with the plan, right? Not separate of. It's kind of like. The work that I do as an exit planner, a lot of times business owners think that the exit plan is separate from the strategic plan, and it is not. It is completely aligned. Has to be. It has yeah. to be. Otherwise, you're never gonna. They're never gonna meet at the end. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that's that's a, that's mm-hmm. the point. I mean, we may not tell everybody that we're planning to do that, right? Sometimes we have to keep that discreet and confidential. But still, 
it, it, it works um, together and, and synchronized. So, well, this has been a great conversation. Thank you for being on the show, Kathy and Craig. And um, for our listeners, uh, you will have uh, the opportunity to download this episode and all other episodes at the Poise for Exit website. That's poisedforexit.com, where you can also order a copy of my book, which is in a second edition print, Poised for Exit. Uh, do share this episode with your colleagues and your business owner friends. We really appreciate you listening and subscribing. <laughs>